Welcome to another episode of the Tiger Minor League recap here over at uh, Tiger Minor League Report, MLReport.com. Oh, whoa. Get myself here. Oh, that's right, because I had, I had my own tab up on the other side. I'm Rahel. You can see alongside me is Chris Brown. Empty screen of Chris Brown here in a second. There he is. <laughs> he pulls back in the distance here. And uh, joining us this semester or for the fall semester or however you want to phrase it, is Colin, who did a prospect report. He did our Troy Melton report, and it'll be doing some more write-ups for us. Colin is going to be, Colin has some podcast experience, and he's going to be helping us producing, learning how to do his own show, all that jazz. And so I want you guys to welcome Colin aboard. Colin, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Doing good. Aiden, Christopher, good to see you guys in here. Jeff from, Jeff Pontes from Baseball America should be joining us shortly. I just have to shoot him a text probably. and. That guy is a Am I muted? man. Say what? Am I muted? No, you're good, man. No, all right. All right, yeah, I, I'm just trying to update. The Erie game just ended, so I'm trying to update the five. Oh, five yeah, 5-4, five, yeah. By the way, uh, Deadly Ninja B said, nice risky business. <laughs> I gave it, I gave it my best shot. Uh, the Bo, the Bo Brisky business slide. Hey, Colin. Right. Nice to meet hey. you, man. Nice to meet you, Chris. There, and then Blood right here with the $10 already, but he gets this. He, he, okay, so we're going to either go with this one. Off the Frickers building. Exquisite. Either or. So thank you, Blood Right, for the $10. Yeah, Jeff Pontus will be joining us here uh, shortly. Just like I said, I just got to shoot him a text and probably jump on. But yeah, the guy is a covers all prospects for Baseball America. That is one of the busiest man, men I know, and he's a friend of the show. He's also, I've, I think, if, let's see here. Trying to think of how long I've known for quite a while now, but uh, it goes back to um, Prospect Lot pro- Prospects Live. Where I first yeah, I think them. I think three, four years at least. Yeah, if not, yeah. So. It was interesting too that that Erie game just went final and started at six o'clock, so that's a later game here. Yeah, and, and, for, um, for a game that wasn't terribly high scoring. It, yeah, it, uh, I was trying to keep up with it, but I grabbed the the cruise home run because I was in an area with no Wi-Fi. Okay. There is the, and by the way, yes, there was a, the, I'm going to play right now for everybody while we wait for Jeff. The other part of the, I no one's heard this completely, but it's the, Aiden would want to know if we had a Jim Weber song. Yes. But there's also a video of the song. Oh, and, yeah, let's see. An homage to the two little Mudhens announcer, Jim Weber. The same. Fly ball, right field deep, way up there, way back there, and way out of here, up on the left. Of the Pepper's building as it bounces out in the street. What a shot by Keith, as I said. He stands right in against left handed pitching and the mud end. Now take a nine to seven lead. That's not the one I wanted to play at all. That's not the one I wanted to play at all. That's the, that is the clip that I pulled from, not the actual. See here. It doesn't hurt to see Cole Keith at a home run. No, it does not. Where is the home run from? That was from yesterday. Okay. Okay. I think was, I was, I was getting out of the parking lot from work and a ton of cars just came and then there was all of a sudden none. So I assume probably mud end game. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was, it was chaotic downtown yesterday yeah. too. Cause it was, it was a, it was one of those things where I was literally, I was standing outside the, right outside the building there, right by the bar over there. And there's balls just flying into the street too. So that, I thought that was pretty funny because it was, there's five home runs yesterday total that hit the scene 
the hit the, the parking lot yesterday. Okay, here's okay, here's the I, I, I labeled it wrong. It's called the Webertron. So if I labeled it incorrectly here. So here it is. The Jim Weber tip of the cap to Jim Weber, the Mud Hens announcer, play by play man, who's done what, six thousand games now, guys? Six thousand? Right. He's been doing that the game since seventy eight, every game since before we were born. All right. Well, we were born. So he yeah, here we go. Fly ball right field deep, way up there, way back there, way out of here, up on the looks of the Purpose Building. The Purpose Building. Oh, the pressure is building. All right. <laughs> Jeff said he's going to be a minute late. He'll be here. Baseball America will be on here shortly. Wait, what? Okay. Torkel. Who said Torkelson's a bust? What is this? What's going on? Wait, what happened? Sorry, I'm still trying to solve these days. Uh, I'm not, you know what? I'm not indulging in that because we've not said we officially done with the torque is a bus narrative. No, we've always said that I'm going back three years now. We didn't think he was going to be a superstar. We thought he had a chance to be an average to above average first baseman a la Reese Hoskins, right? No longer that 25, 30 home runs, 250 average, decent walk rate, right? What's he look like right now? Looks like a Reese Hoskins clone to me. He's, he's playing better the last week or so, but this it's still not like a superstar yet. Maybe he can get there. Uh, I've I'm, I'm been uh, impressed by his improvement lately, but to, the, the bar to be like a plus first baseman is incredibly high. That's why they don't ever go first overall. Uh, that's why they drafted him as a third baseman, which, yeah, they got to fool, fool us all. But yeah, no, he's been playing well, but what's... Yeah, but honestly, what are, what are his total stats now? What's his OPS? Is it over eight hundred yet? Is it close to eight hundred yet? I don't I don't think it is. Is it? No, I don't think so. It's around seven twenty five, I think. Seven twenty five. He he's playing well lately. It's fine, but we never called him a bust. But we, yeah. we don't think he's a superstar either. I, I don't know. It, I guess it's a world of extremes, right? If you don't think the guy's the second coming, then you think he's a bust. Well, Colin, have you? Since what's your thoughts been on Spencer Torkelson since he's arrived? Um, so I I like Torkelson. Last year was a struggle on everything. This year you could say he's been hitting balls hard. Last year it was what does this guy do? Like last year he had a good eye at the plate. That's the only thing I could give, and he's lost that a little bit. But that aggressiveness that he's added this year has certainly helped him a lot more. Because there was a lot of times last year where it was like, okay, I love this guy. Not how patient he is, but at some point it's it he's got to be more conservative, right? And I I I do I do think the the hard hit balls are going to turn into something, but that turn you got to use that launch angle. You need to start bowling balls. I'm not a big fan of putting the ball in a certain place. Just hit it hard, and good things will happen. No, and it's one of those things where I, I think he right he's been a lot more assertive with that. The other thing too is like in terms of even seeing fastball better, 
fastball is better too. He's just been crushing them, and that's what he's supposed to do. Real quick, we'll be asking. Yeah, we'll ask about. By the way, you Lee. Fun fact: so the Taylor the Junior League World Series is going on right now as we speak out here right by my house. I live about ten minutes away from their Junior League World Series. Lee, by the way, the new tiger played here in 2017 for Taiwan. So he's going to actually yeah. be in town here tomorrow. What, he would have been like 14? Yeah. 20, and didn't you say the first game he ever went to was at Comerica Park? Yeah. So it makes sense now because he was he was also, yeah, he was playing right over here down rivers. But uh, it's a comment here from Blood Right. Eric's, anybody notices how Eric's wife, Eric Haas's wife resembles Torque? What? <laughs> I, did, uh, I did not know. You know. I wait, wasn't wait, wait, that was the Saturday night game when they showed him the home run. Let's see here. Are you talking about, let's say, so. His wife, she's got like a tat sleeve. I think I saw a highlight of her. I watched the game. On, uh, gotcha. But okay. it's funny. I remember we, we, on the Motor City Metrics, we, we were, I don't know if we did it on the show or after the show, but we were talking with, with you. Like, hey, if they could take two, three, two or three this weekend, and they had two of the three best pitchers. And we joked that they would lose those two games and win the one with Manning. And that's exactly what happened because baseball. Somebody said that he has similar stats than J-Rod. J-Rod's got 3.6 war with 19 home runs and an OPS plus of 110. Torkelson had a war of minus 0.1, 18 home runs, batting 229 with OPS plus of 98. Not sure what the similarities are, but... But Torkelson has improved. Yes. He's first baseman, though. You have, to, you have to put up Matt Olson stats to be like an elite first baseman, right? It's it's just the way it is. Unfortunately, he's improved. He looks like a legit piece of the the team going forward. I'm happy the Tigers have him, but yeah. we're we're not like like I said, we're not calling him a bust, but we're also not anointing him as like the next great first baseman in the American League. Okay, he's yeah. he's he's a below average overall player by the modern stats. So we kind of just just bump the brakes a little bit. That's all we're saying. Yeah, if you're talking about regression, this guy his rookie season put a WAR up of six point two. In his second year in the league, he's still putting up an above-average war. I don't. Again, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the expectation is. But uh, speaking of expectations, who knows all about those kind of things? And also, Chris, and, him and Chris Brown have a lot of things in common in the sense that they are both underground rap guys. A lot of, it's, it's a lot of people don't know that Jeff Pontus once uh, roamed it's the re- mean streets of New England. Some. <laughs> I don't know. It's just you know, always like, it's cool that you guys, both of you guys could know a lot about baseball and both of you guys know a lot about rap. And it's just, it, it, Jeff, you know how small of a world it is. It's just once in a million where you meet two people that are very similar like that. So, anyway. I got you. Yeah. How you doing, Jeff? Good to see you. Good to see you, Jeff. Not too bad, man. Sorry about that. Sorry about the delay here. No worries at all, man. Yeah. We're just talking about someone who's asking us that tor- we're trying to say the torque's a bust and we've never said that, but. Well, we want to get into what you were seeing down in Lakeland and just overall since the draft. First and foremost, you guys did a kick-ass job at the All-Star break. Saw you on TV wearing that nice little sports coat thing going, rocking. Right. And uh, the whole the whole new website change, too, has been phenomenal. You guys are packing so much more information. The website layout's a lot more friendlier and over at Baseball America. So, but yeah, how was your recent road trip? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Unfortunately, I only saw FCR Tigers one time. I was predominantly in Dunedin and then Clearwater. I cover I cover uh, Blue Jays year round for the handbook, etc. I have it during the year. 
And Phileas is just convenient based on where it was staying. Bounced around, ended up missing the Tigers a second time at the Yankees facility. The day before it was flying out, I had some last minute like scheduling stuff come up and I couldn't do it. It didn't matter. They only played like four innings anyway, because it was like hundred degrees outside. Yeah. Time of year where it's like, you literally probably have to uh, have an umbrella for multiple purposes outside than just rain for shadow or for just uh, shade purposes. But no, and it, the, so the Tigers, we were initially shocked about the about Max Clark pick because we, we're all heard. We've heard college bass and Scott Harris said that it was all, all just rumors, what have you. But we, we've been seeing him. He's been hitting the ball very well. And Tiger fans seem to like him. And, Fans were going, hey, you guys should be more well hyped up to what it is. But Max Clark was the number one player out of high school. What Tiger fans should expect from Max Clark? Because he's lived up to it so far. Yeah, and I think the the early feedback um, from pro scouts has been pretty positive, just on all accounts from what I've heard. And it's been meeting expectations uh, or exceeding it, which which I think is important because I think anybody who's done any work on the amateur side of things and then on the pro side of things or spoke in or worked with any sort of pro scouts versus amateur scouts. There can be discrepancies in opinions on certain things, certain stuff. I feel like sometimes can come to light a little bit more in pro balls, certain struggles, et cetera, but all accounts have been really good in terms of Clark has been performing in games. He's been making a lot of hard contacts, center fielder. It's not going to be crazy power necessarily right off the bat, but there's a ton of bat speed. I think he's athletic enough to make adjustments and for it to work. And even if he doesn't end up necessarily a long-term center fielder, which I think there's a a pretty good chance that he does. He just, he's not going to be Andrew Jones out there, but might be an average or better center fielder than a guy that can play above average to maybe a plus corner. Consider gap to gap guy now. He's not the biggest person, but he is muscular, really strong, tests well athletically. There's not a lot of question there. And I think he's a guy that embraces the spotlight and certainly doesn't, isn't afraid of attention. So I think if you're looking for a guy that could maybe blossom into a potential superstar, I think he, he has that right sort of mentality, at least. I don't know if the tools are all the way there. I think he's going to be a good above average, maybe occasional all-star type. I, I would be remiss to say that there wasn't a ceiling of a potential star, like a, a legitimate star here. And he's been billed as that for the last year plus two years. Certainly he's been a famous guy in the prep circuit and someone that's had the bright lights and performs. I think overall, just everything we're hearing is pretty good. Colin, what do you want to ask uh, Jeff? I wanted to ask, uh, would, would you think the Max Clark situation of how he was a high school bat drafted by the Tigers? I think there's a few people that were upset by it and him coming out and bowling out right away. Would you think it's similar to Riley Green being drafted by the Tigers? Because a lot of people were upset that he was a high school draft pick and that he right out of the gate, he started proving people wrong and he ended up at the end of the year, West Michigan. Yeah, I think you could probably spin that narrative. I think a lot of it is people, people are going to complain about whatever the pick is. They'll find some way to nitpick it. And I think like when you've looked at the way the organization has performed, particularly in the draft over the last, whatever decade, there's not a lot of goodwill there. I would be skeptical as well. Obviously it's a new regime in town. Right. I think everybody's hopes that they're going to turn around, target different types of players. And I think 
maybe you're starting to see signs of that now. I think it takes two, two to three years for you to really see it because then you start to see some of those lower level guys in year two or whatever start to pop better performances and just got to hope that the player development situation and focuses and just how, how they actually carry out their business is better because that's a big part of it. You can make, uh, you can make pretty mediocre groceries and do a pretty good meal, but it's hard. It's hard to have be a, have a bad chef and give him the best ingredients in the world. He can still screw it up. That's <laughs> one of those things. So I think it went hand in hand. I think for some people, yeah, sure. There might be, it might be reminiscent of, of Riley Green, of a, a high level hit tool guy, the need to grow into power outfielder, highly touted as well. Yeah. I think there's a lot of probably similarities, but this is a good, this is a good direction to go. You go and you look at the players that turn into huge prospects stars they're either guys from latin america or they're high school players i feel like as much as i like college the college game i love the cape cod league i love seeing all these prospects and and knowing them well and following their careers they're not the guys typically that have the high-end ceilings right there's a lot of good regulars that come out of college there's not a lot of superstars so i think this is this is the right place to hunt so so jeff i got a kind of a general question for you about complex leagues because we keep, keep people keep saying like, why is it Max Clark playing every day? Why is it McGonagall playing every day to start their pro career in, in the fourth ring of hell that is central Florida in August. So I'm curious if you can explain for people, maybe why guys don't play every single day immediately. Number one, they have huge rosters. There's like a ton of players that they're tr- trying to cycle through. I saw Peyton Graham in a game. There's guys that are rehabbing consistently. I believe DJ Peters is pitching out there former position player, outfielder for the Dodgers and the Rangers, who's now coming back as a, position, a pitching prospect or I guess a pitcher because he's already graduated. But so there's, there's big rosters, number one. Number two, I, I think they like to do a lot of the work off the field, especially initially on with a lot of these guys. They're working out a lot. There's a lot of other off the field activity and things that are going on. And then it's, it's hot, like you said. It's, it's 100 degrees. Like they, they actually... They actually canceled games or end them early. Like I had the last, the last day I had complex was a week ago yesterday. So Saturday and the Phillies complex, it was supposed to go nine. And they were like, yeah, we're only doing this day. Cause it's like they started at 10. They're like, we can end at noon. We're not going to be out here in peak sun. Guys can get fed and rested and whatever. But I think people also forget like it's a complex. There are a bunch of fields there. There's a ton of coaching, there's facilities, et cetera, to lift and do all different types of work, whatever it is they're getting, getting their work in. That's one of the reasons guys will stay down there for an extra month or two sometimes if they're younger players and they may not assign them until May or something. We see teams do that. That's one of the reasons. I think there's just, there's a variety of reasons not to play him every day. And, and if they feel as if he is, or that's something that you want, whatever the decision comes down, they're going to send him to low A. They're just going to send them to Lakeland and they're going to put them in the lineup. I feel like with a lot of these college guys, they're doing that to maybe feel out some of the later round college guys, mid round college guys, especially position players. If they're pretty advanced, I don't know if Peck has been called up to Lakeland yet or not. I know that I saw him on FCL. Jarvis and Anderson got called up. Jim Jarvis. Yeah. And, and yeah. But yeah, no, I appreciate that because yeah, like I, I keep trying to tell people like, listen, they're doing stuff. They're not just like taking days off. They're working. I know sometimes they're even like, they'll have games that aren't official games, like on a backfield, right? They're just other mm-hmm. scrimmages, basically. 
Uh, but people get upset. They're like, is he hurt? You said, what's wrong? Is he busted? He's like, settle down, settle down. It's, it's a complex league. I know it's, it's fun. I know you love getting down there, Jeff. It's, it's, what is the complex league? if not baseball's equivalent of, of underground rap. You're, you're finding the, the next big things down there. And I listen, I enjoyed listening to your, your podcast there on, on baseball America because it is a fun pod there. You got Aiden Miller, you got Arjun Nimala, and you've got a bunch of Yankees guys that you know, never heard of. They're probably going to be on top 100 prospects on the, the line. So I don't know if there was anybody who really stood out to you from any of those teams that you felt like not there. Yeah, I think one of them, and it's probably the video that blew up the most, is a big left-handed pitcher. I think he's 6'8 or 6'7, Henry Lalane. He is Brooklyn-born, but signed out of the Dominican Republic. I believe that his father played Division One basketball. I'm not sure on what school it was, but it was somewhere in New York. So I'll get back to you once I learn that one. But uh, played D1 ball. His sister, as far as I know, I think it was a, a, a Juco women's volleyball all-american this year or something like that so probably speaks pretty good english in addition to spanish which i always think is an advantage in baseball because you can communicate with like multiple facets of the locker room but beyond that the baseball ability is great um mixing three pitches sitting 93 to 96 and this guy's 19 years old there's definitely a ton of projection left was up to 97 i've heard he's been up to 98 99 mixes a change up Mixed with a slurvy breaking ball, like 77 to 79, that you might call it a curveball, you might call it a slider. I just say sit in the middle and call it a slur because it's what it is. And depending on what scouts you talk to out there, they may like the breaking ball more than the changeup. I feel like I've heard more positive feedback on the changeup. Fastball shape is really good. It's like a 17-10, 18-11, somewhere around there. So like heavy bore. And that was legitimately off of calibrated trackman. So I feel pretty good about what those numbers are. And he had the smoke. I think he threw for three innings that day. He walked three of the first four batters he faced. I think he might've hit one too. And, and then was just nails from there on out. Just struck out eight over yeah. three it, innings. Well, it was, just a, it was a pretty ridiculous performance. He had people talking. He's, a, he's definitely a guy that one of those guys in the complex are like, all right, this is. This is a prospect. I can't say how high, but I think the legitimate guys stick out, especially in those lower level games. Most of my experience in the backfields has been spring training the last few years where I'm down there for a few weeks and I've been doing mostly East coast. So I see a lot of those teams and, but you're seeing triple A games, you're seeing double A games, you're seeing high A and low A and it's the assignment teams pretty much where maybe there's a couple of complex guys that sneak into the low A game. So it's still not kind of like the same level. It's amazing how bad the defense is too. <laughs> Those are the things that we take for granted. I watch a lot of double A, it's what's near me. So I have New Hampshire, I have Hartford, so I'm always out there. I see a fair amount of Cape, which I think like there are some differences between that and double A. That's a bit of a difference. But still, like, it's like you're getting guys between the 19 and 21, 22. And if they're older, like 23 years old, they probably have a lot of experience. Um, so they're already like mid-level sort of guys in terms of big. But I feel like you don't see like the stuff you see there, like the pass balls, the fly balls that like easily caught in, you know, double A or even like on the Cape, like just drop. There's stuff like that. The strike throwing isn't great. Like you get a guy who throws a lot of strikes in the complex, you're like, yes. It, it just isn't like, you know. I, 
you know, I think just the other day there was, it was Zach Hess was, was rehabbing down there and it was hit by pitch, strikeout, hit by pitch, strikeout, hit by pitch out of the game. It's, oh man. Like, like I just must, the conditions must just be awful to, to pitch it no matter what. But yeah, it doesn't look like great baseball to me, but, it, and that was one of the interesting things is the best we can do for the most part is, is we, we follow the stats, right? That, that's without being able to get a lot of video and without being down there, follow the stats. And then you, you try to sprinkle in, okay, this was a, a high bonus guy. All right. Or look at his physicality and say, okay, this one might be interesting. And so the guy that kind of fit all those categories for us was, was Tiger's catcher, Josue Briseño. And I know you got a chance to see him. And I think that there are certain kinds of players who excel in complex league. Some of them are just early bloomers. And it sounds like that might be the case with him. Yeah. So I got to the Phillies complex the first day that I was there show up immediately they're taking infield so i'm like all right i'm gonna stick around i'll see who's in here didn't see max clark he was listed as the leadoff guy in the lineup that i had he ended up getting scratched and traveled with the team i don't know why he was injured or anything but the first thing that stood out was was you see it's brasino right um, I, I don't know how they pronounce it i just I'm yeah i think it's brasino so like yeah, Brissino, okay. humongous like from a physical standpoint he's probably Six three, six four. I haven't checked the height. Two thirty, and it's like muscle. He looks like he's a thirty year old man. Like yeah. it's it's incredibly physical, and like it's muscular. It's like the kind of body reels guys. You could have told me any age between twenty two to thirty two, and I'm like, okay, all right, like one of those sort of builds. And like, all right, I'm gonna you know see how he looks. Arm was pretty strong. It looked fine. It is like infield, outfield, they're just throwing around bases. It's not really like you're not really getting real pop times. Guys can cheat a little bit. The framing was awful. He gets in game and it was bad. And I'll say this like that FCL Tigers team, it's not the pitching is not great. There was, yeah, it was top notch sort of arms that I saw here. There was a lot of or guys and water, etc. And it could just be the day. But he was swimming back there, man. Like the, the framing was not great. There was a lot of stuff that was getting by him. I had mentioned one scout because he, he shows up really high on our robo scout model, like one of the top performers. So I had made a prep list before I went of like maybe 50 or 60 guys. And you know, he was up probably in the top 15 just because like, especially for guys like that, actually, like I really want to test it and see what it looks yeah. like. Um, so I didn't, didn't pass the defensive test. I remember I said it to a scout that was sitting next to me and I was like, yeah, this guy's uh, pretty bad back there or whatever. And he was like, yeah, he is a, he, he, he's a DH first baseman. Like that's, that's the direction that he's headed toward. He gets up in the bait, up in the box and it's an upright swing. He, he's offset. He's a little bit open stance, but really narrow base, a lot of leverage, a lot of power. I don't feel like he gets to stick around that quick. Um, strength. That's a fake. little concerning when you see a guy that big and you're like, all right, like he's going to have strength. There's always going to be power, but is there bat speed to catch up to real velocity? And he didn't really face, he faced like okay stuff that day. It was a lot of rollover stuff, but you could tell when he did get a hold of one, he gets a hold of it. It's, it's pretty easy to see that the ball jumps up. I just, uh, he's big and lumbering if, if I can describe him. Yeah. So the numbers are great. I, I don't know. Maybe he ends up a first baseman. Maybe he does have bat speed and maybe there's more there. He looks like an old guy to me though. Gotcha. No, that's, that's what exactly what we, it's not what we want to hear, but that's what we want, want the information we need to find out because right. Like I said, we're, we're just basing on the stats right now and, and, and stats can be very, very misleading, especially in rookie ball. 
Yeah. Cause like I, I, I was seeing hits like from Aiden Miller, like he had double or might've been first and he, and he took second on, on indifference. It was the worst ball that he hit all day. He like mm -hmm. iced it down the line and the right fielder like didn't move. And then the move when it was too late and the ball just like dropped. It was very like little league. Sort You're of thinking about a movie or something. Yeah, yeah. You got there's, locked in the sun there. <laughs> I could definitely see that too. There's one guy too, Clayton Campbell, who's from New Zealand, who was playing Australian ball pretty early on in his career. He's had a, he's only, I believe he's only 19, 18, 19 years old. And he's been stateside just a relevant period of time. But that's a guy, again, where I'm looking at, still going to be beyond the south a little bit, but he could play catcher. He's been able to play the infield. But did you see anything from Campbell that stood out to you? Not really, no. And the scout reports on him have been tough too. Probably, probably worse than for Spragley, um, where at least he's sort of hitting. But two athlete, no position, um, you know, behind on velocity. Yeah, I, I don't. Sounds like a Vila guys. Yeah, I, well, I don't. I don't really think there's much of something there. But I guess his background is very unique, and times you never know. But probably not. No, and I had I had double checked on him with another scout who was down this week who saw him, who was on FCL Tigers and was like, eh, eh. this. And that's the thing, like we've talked about this before, that the Tigers international scouting has basically been abysmal. Or I, I shouldn't say their scouting has been abysmal, but the production or the results have been abysmal. They, they've had almost no big league talent come out of Latin America. They've got a couple guys now, finally, coming up. Ked Armantero, Roberto Campos, pretty interesting. Christian Santana's bouncing back. But but yeah, it, and so it just, it always, I always just feel like they, they targeted the wrong kind of players or something like that. And one of the guys we got excited about last year was Raylan Perez. I don't know if you got a chance to see him, but he was a guy who put up really nice stats in the DSL, but he's, he's been swimming in, in, in the complex league. And I have no idea if, I, I think Longenhagen had a scouting report on him at the Fangrass, but I haven't seen one anywhere else. It's basically, yeah, it's a steep swing. He reminds him of Gage Workman. I'm like, that's not great. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to be compared offensively to gauge work. So that's typically bad. <laughs> yeah, there's. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I, just, I didn't know if if, if uh, Jeff had any chance to see Raylan Perez at all, or I, I know, like I said, there's seven thousand players there. I don't even know if you caught him in a game or not. I don't think that I did actually. No. I can double check though if I have any notes on him, but I don't think so. Fair so, so, was there anybody that? wasn't a name, but somebody that told you just looking at your scouts or, or just were talking to people that uh, Tiger fans should get to know in the F FSL or just, I, I know that looking at their pitching staff too, the Tigers, even internationally arm wise too, has not been the case at all. And, and even looking at guys that just seem like they have big bulky reliever types that, <laughs> you know, and that's all that it is. It's just the same kind of like, it's a cookie cutter, like a stamping <laughs> plant. But was well, there any, Anybody that stood out that maybe might let off to a rough start, but they, they have that physicality or they, they look, they could potentially grow. On the pitching side, there was, I, there was one guy Demonte who I think had an interesting the Italian. Story. Yeah. He was, he was interesting. I know that the performance numbers haven't been great, but it wasn't like, uh, they ran on a lot of arms out there and he was probably the one that was like, all right. That's probably the most interesting. The other guy that we pitched well in the inning I saw him was Jorge Boyer, 
lefty, big lefty, it's fine. A lot of their stuff is just like generic. Like there's, yeah. there was nothing that was popping, like in terms of crazy, unique sort of stuff. I would say the one guy personally, I would be interested and exciting, excited about would be, would be Pat. This is one of those guys where he had some buzz as like a sleeper going into last summer and really didn't perform in the cave. He struck out a lot, was better this year at Pepperdine, still wasn't awesome. But I think if you see this athlete, you see him play short, see the arm, good swing decisions, and you see the swing. When he does get a hold of a ball, it jumps off the bat. There's definitely power there. There's good athleticism. He is unique in the sense that he's a 21-year-old. He was younger for the draft. He turned 21 like a week after the draft. So younger guy, makes projection play from the college side of things. That's right. So, you know, it's going to have to hit. I don't think there's going to be major platoon concerns. You just got to get his swing right. So there's definitely holes in it. But if he's a guy that if you, you have a swing guru, somewhere within the organization, that you feel that whether it's working with blast motion or something along those lines, that you can make some adjustments and get him to make more contact, make better contact more consistently. He's got a lot of tools. And he does have that plate approach as I mentioned. So I, I personally think Peck is like maybe one of the more interesting guys that I saw, which is an indictment a little bit. The international class, but to be fair, a majority of the guys in complex leader. So yeah, and, uh, I think I read on, on BA, the fact that I, had, I don't know if it was at the draft combine or just in general, but was one of the more, like had some of the higher top end exit belows among yep. the whole college shortstop crop, which is, so I, I'm assuming it's just swing and miss in the zone then if he's got a, a pretty good approach. Yeah, no, it's definitely swing and miss in the zone. It's, sure. it's fairly rough swing and miss. He started to chase a little bit more. I feel like this year, maybe versus last, he had a great year as a sophomore. Hit 361, 417, 578. Slipped back a little bit this year, 272, 353, 441. Like I said, I think the skills are there. I think there's opportunities for this guy to potentially break out, be a legitimate prospect. Probably more of like a 16 to 30 type of guy in a system, a potential, I don't know, fringe utility guy that has a little bit of power. I think yeah. Probably take that. If this guy turns into a better defending Ryan Fiber or something like that, I'm like, okay with that pick. Yeah. We talk about if, if you can legitimately play shortstop in pro ball, then th that adds a ton of, of value to your utility, even if you're not really hitting a ton. He's one of the, he's one of the few white American guys that can actually probably be there. <laughs> and then uh, you did get to see, so I don't think you, saw, you, you didn't see Clark. I don't think you saw Carson Rucker, who was Detroit's like fourth round pick, but you did see McGonagall, didn't you? And McGonagall, their, their second pick. Yeah, I did. McGonagall was good. I think the hit tools there, there's a ton of bat speed. He is tiny. Um, I remarked to somebody that he's, he's built like a, like a fire hydrant. Like it's like very boxy body. I think he's listed at five, nine, man. He's probably five, six. He is, he is small. I'm not yeah. humongous. I'm like six feet tall, but it was one of those guys where like, you're standing next to him. I was, he was in the on deck circle. I was going to shoot open face of his swing once he got up. So I snuck over there and got my spot. And I like standing next to him and I'm like, this dude's like up to my chin. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's not tall. He's really strong. 
strong hands, strong wrists, forearms. Gave me a much better runtime than I thought I was going to get. I got a 55 runtime on that. I had a 415 on that video you posted. Is that a problem? Yeah. No, that's, that's a, that's pretty legit. He was gangbusters, like getting out of the box, take that for what it is. But he had another nice swing where he put a ball, like an F9, put a ball, it's like the warning track. I do think there's something up there, probably not a ton. It's going to probably be bat speed and barrel control that allow him to have maybe, we'll say, 15 to 20 homer power somewhere in there with a decent batting average or a pretty good batting average, probably, and I think a high on base percentage. Kind of like that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. There are a cat. So you see. I don't think it's called a good run times. <laughs> yeah, and those are my bare feet. One of the last things I want to ask you about, because you have seen a lot of double A, is a lot of fans are excited about Cole Keefe. You saw he got promoted to Toledo. He's doing a lot for his age, which yeah. is rare for the Tigers to have somebody that young to do that in the system. Again, this is primarily speaking, Tigers have had a profile, which is basically anybody from the SEC, LSU. It just seems like it's, it's been breaking away from that a little bit. But the Cole Keefe, among others in Erie, that in Erie as a whole has been just having a really good year in general. But what's your thoughts about Cole Keefe? Because a lot of fans are frustrated that he's not up here already. But to me, yeah. I think the fact that he's had a long, this is his longest season he's ever had in his professional career. And I, I think that his numbers has indicated, like he just had another, at a home run yesterday. He's continuing to hit, I think we're on 270 right now in Toledo. But what did you see from Cole Keefe when you're, your travels yeah. the East Coast. Yeah, like I, I have, I've been a Colt Keith fan for a few years now. And he's one of these guys where I think just from when he's in the box as a hitter, certainly not as, as a fielder, but as a hitter, he passes the eye test, right? Strong, there's bat speed there, there's leverage, there's strength there. You believe in the power. There's bat to ball skills. He doesn't get beat a lot in zone. Doesn't chase a lot, doesn't expand the zone very often. We saw a lot of that early on last year and again in the Arizona Fall League. And then my looks this year at this point, it was, all right, like, is this guy a, a top 30 prospect, a top 20 prospect, top 15? Is he back in the top 10? I think maybe even for some people, you'd have to be probably less concerned with the defensive value. That'd be the case. He's probably going to be a first baseman or a DH. I mean, I don't think you know, he's going to stick at third. But if you could get like sort of a, a Kevin Yukua situation where like he's third baseman, um, first baseman, play a little bit of both mm-hmm. in his career, I think you'd be happy with that. But it's all about the bat. It's some of the best approach in the minor leagues. His, his combination of approach, bat to ball skills, and power is among a handful of players. There's a few guys that kind of fall into that category. And it's, it's, it's plus power, probably above average swing decisions. Averages contact and having those three things is really rare. And he has it early in his career. He's going to hit. And I think that whenever they feel it is, is best for them to, to have him up and have him D8, play first base, maybe a little bit of third base, move around a little bit, uh, they should do it. I understand not doing it this year. If we think about the bigger picture, right? You're just burning service time. There's no reason to. He's already up in AAA, which I'm sure if you had spoken with him before the season, a major league call-up was probably a very high-in-the-sky long-term kind of like maybe it happens at the end of the year kind of goal if, I, if everything goes well. Being in AAA, staying healthy, staying on the field, learning. I think, I think for some guys, especially these younger bat-first prospects, 
maybe this is the wrong mentality. I feel like it's good to get them some runway in AAA. Because you get through some of those struggles against more advanced guys. You are facing guys who've been in the major leagues, a lot of them. That's the relievers. If you, if you played every night in AAA, you're probably facing a guy that's been in the majors or is about to be in the majors every single night, just whether it's coming out of the bullpen or a starter. And obviously there's a lot of different capacities for guys like that. But at the same time, I think we, we forget that like Jordan Walker probably wouldn't have done too, too bad to actually start the season in Memphis, maybe get the call up by, by mid season. Yeah. Your fans will be clamoring, et cetera. But sometimes burden that service time when you don't need to, because a guy's hot coming out of spring training or he's just your most talented prospect. I just don't think you necessarily need to do it. There's very few guys that are like ready. Corbin Carroll, even Gunnar Henderson had to struggle for two months before he started settling in. We started to see the kind of player he is. If I were the Tigers, I wouldn't have him up until next year. I know it sucks. You want something to watch. I don't know, man. Watch the, watch the Toledo games. Yeah. <laughs> or just I'll for Torkelson to keep it better. I think what we've seen, so like that first month, in, in Toledo, I, I think Keith wasn't quite ready for how well AAA pitchers execute their breaking balls. Yeah. Um, basically, that, that, that's it. Like, he's, he's still not, I don't think, chasing very much. But what happened, I think, is the breaking balls were more, you know, located better for the most part. Uh, they still make mistakes. Right? Crushed uh, an Amir Garrett fighter yesterday. But, um, and so he started, I think, sitting on breaking balls and then was laid on velocity for a little bit. So his, his LPS and, and, July was like 690, but he's a pretty good hitter. It's up over 900 again in August so far because he made the adjustments. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's refreshing to hear you say that because we've been talking all year. Like people yeah. warm up six for six game in an area and they're like, why are you not in Detroit? Just, okay, settle down. There's a big, big leap. And yeah, it's fun. I, I, I don't know, you know. One of the guys that we are getting a lot of questions about now, and I don't know if you paid any attention to him at all, really, when you were watching last time you saw Erie is, is Justice Bigby. I don't know if you've been following him at all, but he's, he's been hitting 360, 370 all year. Yeah. And it's just continuing. And I don't know if he jumped out to you at all when you saw Erie last time or not. Yeah. I thought big, uh, Bigby was pretty good. Definitely was one of those guys that sort of stuck out from that squad. Another one of these Kerry Carpenter sort of types, right? Where sort of like a, a breakout, like hitting revelation guy that just turned into something that you weren't expecting. He's been moving up the, the Tigers top 30 now for the last month or two. I think he jumped inside the top 20 recently. So yeah, he's definitely somebody that I thought was, was pretty interesting. I thought Myers was interesting too. Definitely hit the ball pretty hard. Somebody that had been off my radar a little bit. So I thought he was another one that was on the Erie squad that was interesting. Um, you guys have some arms too that are worth paying attention to. I, I know someone mentioned it in the chat, but Andrew Magno. Yeah. He's got legitimate fastball, 93 to 94 miles an hour. Shape on that, it's like 17 to 18 inches of induced vertical break. Cuts it a little bit, so about five inches of horizontal. Like good shape. Obviously, command of that pitch isn't, isn't tremendous, but it's good shape and some velocity feels- from the left side. And the breaking ball shapes aren't bad either. He's got the, the curveball depth and sort of that cutterish slider in the mid eighties. So he was somebody that I made notes of that I thought was pretty interesting. And we thought it's a somewhat unusual arm slot for a lefty. It's yeah. I don't know if it's, it's not directly over the top, but it's pretty close. And, and so yeah, you don't see that all, all that often. No, 
And I think those are the kind of things that you got to bring into the organization too. It's like having some different looks and guys that have some funk. So yeah, he was, uh, he was a pleasant surprise. I think the other guy that I'm pretty into right now is I think that he might potentially be like the breakout player of uh, the year for the Tigers. Probably one of my favorite sort of like underrated arms in all the minors this year too. And it's been a, been a long time since the Tigers had somebody like that. Yeah. Legitimate stuff. Yeah, especially because we when we saw him in South Bend, he there was a he struggled against he had a third inning where he had a long third inning, but he came back and was efficient. And the first times that we saw him live, he was just throwing really it was just that fastball, fastball. But then recently, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but it felt like he was throwing that his he has a pretty good breaking ball where it's a, it, it gets some really good sharp action, especially against lefties. Yeah, it seems it was most effective when he's trying to backfoot it. It seems yeah. like he's got. It seems like he's got like a harder slurve and a slower. I know they both seem to have the same shape, but but one of them a little bit harder. And in the yeah. an above average changeup, it seems. And but yeah, it's, it's a big, like strapping, ideal pitcher's frame. Uh, not counting into like the new age of being low and throwing it up, but uh, like six four looks like looks like an athlete and throws a lot of strikes. And it's I, we we saw him in his his high A debut and he. In 98, I think, but yeah, there, wasn't a ton of, yeah. there wasn't a ton of control there actually. And, and then the next time we saw him, he dialed it down like just a tick. He's, he's topping out 97 in the last couple outings and he's throwing a lot more strike. And yeah, it, it feels like there's a lot to work with there. In that game in South Bend, he got touched up by that damn Biasteros kid, the catcher from South Bend, 19 year old. We like three for three with a Baham and a walk. Come on. Team, you're catching. I don't know if he's a good catcher. Long oh, no, he's not a good catcher, though. He's not a yeah. good catcher. Yeah, you know, he's a good body, too. <laughs> yeah, he, man, he just he was on everything. But yeah, Melton, he just put up, a, it's just relatively slow development with him. Theoretically, he put up a longest start of his career, six innings the other day, which is like, all right, cool. They're, they're stretching out a little bit and he held his velocity. So that's what I'm looking for. And didn't really, he had a rough third inning, but finished out the six innings just fine so that's yeah it's fun to he was their fourth rounder last year i think yeah so it's yeah it's, it's nice to have another arm in there and it's at least intriguing yeah i think for sure there's started trades here i think you guys met you, you actually hit the nail on the head he's got a slider it's a sweeper about 11 to 12 inches of horizontal break a little bit less depth it's a little flatter in the low to mid 80s and then he's got more of a curveball with a little bit more depth and a little bit more sweep actually 78 to like 80. Good changeup as well. And it's interesting. It's an interesting fastball. He throws hard. The shape isn't crazy, but release traits are pretty good. And he, he's got command of the, of the fastball and enough of it with the slider and the, the changeup. So yeah, he's, he's definitely interesting. The, 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 one of the strange things about him, and I, I haven't looked at the splits or anything like to know if it matters, but, but when he pitches from the stretch, he basically has his feet parallel. It's like his, his right oh, yeah, foot. Yeah, the way he lands, it's, yeah. It's almost directly in front of his left foot when he sets up. Yeah. It's a strange look, but I don't think it affects strike throwing or, or anything. It's just like, all right. It's, it's, like a, it's just like a hip thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've got, we've got a handful of uh, his full outings up on, on the old website, or on, on YouTube. People mm -hmm. want to check it out because, yeah, it, it's like you said, they're, the Tigers have some, some interesting arms in, in double A below, but uh, he was one of the few. At least at the beginning of the year, that was interesting. Below double A, I should say, really. Yeah. 
Final question for you is, for in terms of uh, Kyder Montero, who just got held the AAA, that we've, we've been talking on and off about this, some of his advanced numbers. And Gabe Alvarez believes that Montero could be a reliever right now in the major leagues based off his stuff. And so I'm not sure if, how much of Montero you've seen, but is that an accurate assessment to you? Yeah, I can remember seeing Montero. I want to say the first time I saw Montero was in Connecticut, maybe. Oh, yeah. That's oh, right. yeah. 19. Yeah. That uh, sounds right. Yeah. And I'm, I was sitting behind the, uh, the trackman at the time. And I remember looking at it and I'm seeing like 2,800 RPMs, like 2,900 RPMs. What? Who is this guy? I think at that point, he was only sitting probably 94. Like, yeah. I was going to say like 90 to 91. It might be some 89. Yeah. He might have scraped oh. 94 at that point. Then I saw him again this year in sitting 94, 95, much in 96, 97 miles an hour. Because he's a smaller guy, it's interesting release height kind of characteristics too. He gets flat approach on it, even though it's not the highest efficiency pitch. I actually think the fastball might even have more ceiling, which is funny. Yeah. He's got that wicked, it's a wicked slider too, right? Like that's a, that's a true sweeper. That sucker is... 2,800, 2,900, 3,000 RPMs. Doesn't miss like an, a, a ton of bats. It gets some chases. The numbers against it aren't great, but the changeup is actually a pretty good pitch as well. His changeup actually might perform better than that slider does. The slider is very pitching ninja good, right? It moves a lot, yeah. It, it moves a lot. It has a crazy spin rate. It, it, it gets people going and you're like, like it, it has a positive run value, but just like barely. Like his his fastball and changeup perform the best out of his entire arsenal based on like run value, performance, or pitch, etc. Yeah, it, in in fact, his changeup is his second best pitch on a per pitch basis behind the fastball, and then it's a slider. Which is funny, not crazy deal for spin, but it's a. Uh, but it's a pretty good changeup, and like the expected numbers against it are are pretty low. He's got like a, a 295 XWOBA against it, a 262 XWOBA against the fastball, and then a, a 307 against the slider. That's yeah, it was interesting. Rush, Rush talked to him before, not that long ago, actually. He had, he altered his grip on the changeup to get you know, I don't know if it's more movement or or what, but that's that's really interesting to know. But I yeah. think from from watching him, and I see this with Job a little bit too, and and it's. It almost feels like they have, they have trouble locating the slider to the edges. It's more like it just, it's, they throw it and it ends up right in the middle of the plate Yeah, and it gets hit hard because it's in the middle of the plate and these are professional hitters. I don't know if that's, if it, it moves so much that they don't really have feel for locating it to the edges or what, but you know, I don't know if that's something they can develop. I think, with, I think with some of them they do where like the guys who probably are most effective with this pitch have the ability to sort of like back it up. If you yeah. Oh, Harrison, he was dominating in double A last year and everything was clicking for him. Like he could sweep it across the zone. He could back foot it to a right-hander if he needed to. He could front door it on left-on-left situations. But like he could also like back it up too. Like Ricky Tiedemann do this against right-handed hitters where he'll backdoor it. And maybe it doesn't come out with like as much sweep. So the hitter is either sitting there waiting for a take because he thinks it's yeah. going to sweep much or he'll swing at a pitch that's outside the zone and miss it because it doesn't necessarily break as much as you think. So I think it's the guys that have the ability to just put something on and take something off of it that I think are the best with this pitch. 
I've also found that like between like eight and like 12 inches is ideal because mm-hmm. I think you fall into that range where like you're getting movement on the pitch coming in, but it's also not missing the zone. Matt Brown, coming in, he was sweeping everything across the zone and it was like, all right, man, you gotta, you gotta land it. Yeah. So I think it's about the feel for that pitch. And though everyone got really into sweepers, I still don't think there's no one size fits all answer to any pitch type because everybody's like hand orientation or wrist orientation is different. Like you're just, you're physically eliminated in what you can do with a pitch based on the size of your fingers and your hands and, and all that sort of stuff. Right. And that's why certain guys can do certain things that other people can't because they have physical capabilities that other people don't. Right. And it's why there's certain guys, like guys that can spin the, the heck out of a breaking ball that really can't throw an efficient wide fastball because oh, they're, yeah. they're, cause they're supinators, right? And then you have a pronator who's a guy that's going to have lower, lower spin rates, maybe 2,200, but he might get 18 inches of ride on that sucker because he's got, he's got efficient movement and he's probably able to throw a gyro slider pretty hard, right? Ideally, and then light a splitter or a good changeup. So it's just like everybody has a different way that their body actually functions and that kind of limits like what you can't kind of not add or how things work. It's just a matter of tweaking and finding things a little bit. Yeah. Hopefully he has enough to stand him at the start too. That's the biggest thing is that the reason why I was talking about, I think that the reason the command part of it was something Montero was talking about changing the change up or changing the grip on his change up. So he can make himself more possibly a starter with that. And so, but yeah, I, I just, because the Tigers, again, that he would be the first international starter they've had. That has at least starts more than one game since outside of Barry Soto since I'm trying to think like Felipe Lear. I'm talking about like late '90 yeah. Tigers teams here that decade, yeah, decade, de- decade, literal, literal decades that they yeah. haven't produced an international starter. Yeah. We're talking, yeah. But Jeff, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate it. And just uh, what's dropping on Baseball America? So everybody, should, by the way, should get to subs- the subscription. Totally worth it. Weight and gold, in fact. My magazines. Yeah, imagine send me, she'll send me pictures of the magazine sometimes. Yeah. And we're looking at the, reading the draft preview on the way to Erie the last time we drove out there. Yeah. And one of the, I think the one of the best articles I read all year was you, the article you were explaining pit, pit ship pit, shape and how shapes work. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the, that was honestly some really good work, man. And it was funny. Like, I just think there's a lot of misconceptions about certain pitch types and like what things do and how they move and, how people make it happen, right? Like I tried to incorporate some grips into their, I thought I have a big ball and show you all these grips because I have tiny little media boy fingers. I, I, I think they're not that small. It's, still, it, it's literally like, I'm not, I get like, you can't play it. Like, no. right, look, it's not what you do. And it's crazy because like, somebody will be the same height as me or, sh- or shorter, right? Like you meet somebody in mm-hmm. God's game and like, their hands are like this. Fingers like, that long, dude. Like, they have like a, a finger that are this long. Like, what's going especially on? Especially when you like when I see Matt Manning training. Yeah, Matt Manning's right. hands. He's he grabs the ball right in front of you and just like and you look right. at your hands. You're like, good God, man! What's you that hardy hands I have or something, man? There was that picture of the, of the, the Tigers drafted that kid Donye Evans this year, reliever out of he was at Vanderbilt and ended up at Charlotte, I think. And yeah. he, it looks like he's holding a grape. It's absurd. <laughs> yeah. With Gagne Evans? Yeah. 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 He's humongous. Like just a, a large human. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, uh, I think that people forget that with pitching. There's so much that I think everyone thinks, oh, like it's the same thing with swings. Just, oh, just, just add launch angle. 
as if that's so easy to do. We're going to get all the tool guys, the small bodies. They were going to add launch angle and all of a sudden they're going to hit the ball 450 feet consistently and their, their, their EVs and barrel rates are all going to explode. I think we hear that so often. Like it took like Yandy Diaz like a decade to finally hit the power. Yeah. And it's still, it's not, yeah, it's, it's the best he can do. Like, it's, yeah. Maybe it's all hard as hell, but it's, there are physical limitations despite what we might think. All right, Jeff, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. And uh, like I said, man, baseballamerica.com, get the subscription, get the magazine, do what you got to do, inform yourself, make yourself a better baseball fan and the handbook, of course, which is yeah. uh, always a, a one day, like I would love to see my name on there someday. I'm not going to lie, but uh, just vision yeah. out there as a contributor. But anyway, Jeff, thanks so much, yeah. man. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, man. Thanks see, a lot. Yeah. Easy. Right, have a good one, man. You, man. All right. Great. Jeff Pontus, so we, everybody. So we lost Colin? Yeah, Colin one? had some audio issues, so he's resetting himself. And uh, let's breeze, breeze through this pretty quickly because... Every time we have Jeff on, we tend to go pretty long oh, there. Mm-hmm. And so that's great information. He's got yeah, data that, awesome. we, that we don't have. We don't have the pitch level performance data that he has. To, it's fascinating to know that, that Montero's changeup in fastball uh, are, are performing better than his breaking ball, which is his signature pitch. That's also, like I said, what we've seen, that slider will hang up over the plate because that's doesn't just have, doesn't have a great feel for, for locating in any event, yeah, the Mud Hens, solid week. Second straight solid week. They're nine, what, nine and three in their last 12 games. Not bad. You went down there. That's, this is what I want to hear because you were down there last night. Yeah. And you had a, we've got the, the numbers on here on the screen, but there was a player who jumped out to you that you thought was maybe getting some short shrift. And, and I would like to hear your uh, opinions on this this player. You talking about uh, Eddie uh, Leonard? Eddie Leonard? Leonard? Yes, yes. Yeah. Look, I, I I saw him play the field, and they were talking about him being bad or like a bad defender. He made every play. There was one play where he jumped up. He got a good jump on one on a, a liner that was going out. His approach at the plate, he smashed that. The double looked like that was almost out. The first hit he had was almost out of the ballpark. And then the home run, of course, cleared it. But I thought Leonard, Leonard looked, looked fine. I think he could play... Is he going to be a guy who your everyday shortstop or second base? Probably not, but I don't know. He's been hitting pretty well since he got to Toledo and it continued. And I really wanted to pay close attention to him because I haven't, he's one of the few players I haven't seen in Toledo yet. And yeah, he was, I thought, even playing the, in terms of a good step out of the fir- first step out of the box, uh, big muscular guy, he really stands out. And honestly, I really liked his approach. I really thought that he his swings down last really good. Everybody was swinging the hell out of the ball yesterday. It's always weird to think that Plesak at one point was part of the Cleveland rotation, but man, everything he had that was just the one hands were just smacking it hard. And once they started figuring out the timing on it, it was it was over. And yeah, that was that was a fun game in terms of with the five home runs, I think. But but. And one of the things that I think it's, it's worth mentioning with Leonard is this is his first taste of Triple A. Yeah, he was he was in Double A with the Dodgers when they let him go, and the, the Tigers grabbed him and immediately moved him to Triple A. And he's performed so far. You, you see there that the, there's no walks and there's four strikeouts. I think it's probably an aggressive approach. But if you're aggressive and you're putting the bat on the ball and hitting it hard, that can work. Uh, and so yeah, it was nice to nice to see some of that performance. That home run he hit yesterday was 415, 420 feet, something like that. There's some legit juice in the bat. Yeah. 
yeah, there is some legitimate juice in the in there. And not to mention, yesterday it was too. I know Perez had a bad week, but that home run the right did definitely help. Perez, I even thought yesterday too, he had some good at bats. The one of the things that about Turnbull, because somebody was talking about Turnbull still walking guys, he is still working at secondary pitches. His secondary pitches are not there yet, at least in my opinion. I did manage to watch a little bit at the start earlier in the week, and although it's better, I, I think personally he he will probably get a start. He should head up to Detroit soon, and yeah, you definitely see him. I don't know. I just I think just based off who they have in Detroit right now that they could call up. Turnbull would probably be the most likely to get that opportunity, and he's earned it. But in terms of Montero's debut, by the way, he deserved a better fate than that, right, Chris? Yeah, I know. Colin, did you happen to watch Montero's debut? Did you see that by any chance? No, I just got my audio back. Oh, nice. All right, welcome back. Uh, yeah, I, we, we clipped together Montero's debut. I put it up there on, on the, the YouTube site, and you could see one of the things that happened is that first inning was basically they're playing. It was it's a classic surface of the sun game. The glare was unbelievable, and he gave up a kind of a a medium hard liner to center field that that Parker Meadows just didn't see. He never saw it, and he ran toward it, and it was over him. And that that in, in normal conditions that was an out, and then he gave up a, a grounder to third base that Colt Keith made an error on. So yeah, in, but yeah, I, I, he pitched pretty well. It was again he was finding the heart of the plate a little too often, but. You saw flashes of the stuff, and uh, he had the same sort of introduction to double A this year. You remember, this is a guy who began the season in high A and uh, just really started finding his strikeout stuff in double A. So they've, they've been pretty aggressive with him. And, and all things considered, I thought it was still a fairly impressive debut despite the five earned run. Yeah, I, I really don't think that for him to advance this level, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be fine for Toledo. And the same thing, like, sort of Gibson Long starting to develop nicely in there. Five innings, four hits, eight strikeouts, and that cutter still continue to evolve. But Andre Lipsius back for first base. He did give me first base. He's going to play it all over the infield. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. As far as Johnson Family Farm says, I don't think Turnbull is a good fit for Detroit. You were not the only one that thinks that. And we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll yes, see, they, yeah. they would. They would love for him to come back and perform. I will say that it'd be nice for him to perform, but I feel like so, without I, maybe it's sticky stuff. But he was definitely using the back in twenty one, and maybe that's what's holding him back, and that's probably what caused him to tear his UCL, which Glasnow blamed on sticky stuff of having to mm-hmm. switch mid seasons. And I feel like it, maybe he's being held on to a lot longer because of that no hittery through possibly but he, he's had the stuff we, we've seen him before he's got a nice basketball slider combo for sure he just got easy he has to get the location down yeah and that's where in terms of like, right now what the tigers are gonna have to do here they have to get creative um bringing up bringing him up and also as stan uh, stan mentioned here with haas having some uh, uh what's it i say that minuscule success yeah issues is Dingler ready to be called up? No. I was going to say, during Altoona, they kept getting him high in fastballs. He's just missing, like, just all, to, all Altoona did was just jam him inside, and he couldn't catch up on the fastball. Dingler has tools. He always has. He's a good athlete. There's power there. He's a great arm, good framer, pitch caller, all that good stuff. But there's a lot of holes in the swing. There just are. He's not going to hit any better than Eric Haas. 
So there's no real reason to, to call him up or whatever in the middle of the season when, when the pitchers are comfortable with us. They'll, they'll add him to the 40 man because catchers are hard to find. And he'll, he, he'll probably make his major league debut next year. If not next year, then the next year. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, we dropped him down, I think 16th in our top 30, which is significantly lower than anybody else. You see, I'm like his highest sixth and other, other rankings, but and maybe, maybe it's too low. Maybe he does pull a late Jake Rogers. The profiles aren't all that similar. There's, there's power there. It's a defense first profile. Maybe he just needs to make some swing adjustments, but we just haven't seen it. He's, he's stagnated. He's, this is season three in Erie basically. And, and we haven't seen any real advancement in the hit tool. So you just, you'd say this is a backup and work on the defense. You can get that defense as good as possible. Right. I do like to, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, I just feel like back when in 21 with Corp Green and Dangler were rise miners together, we would have probably seen Dangler last year at the earliest, at least by now. So I yeah. feel like people are growing impatient and rightfully catchers are hard to develop, right? And if he's not going to hit better than Haas, well, why get rid of him? It's not like Haas is this terrible player. He's a great pitch caller. Pitchers love him. The numbers, sure, support him. Yeah, well, he does, the Tigers like him because of it. Yeah, he does call a good game on that. And in terms of the offensive numbers, that's where Haas has been. The, the fans' impatience with that, I understand. Tyler has a really good question about uh, Andre Lipsius. Could it be someone packaging the trade in this offseason? Seems like his ceiling's a utility player. I've seen a lot of those types. And I'm, as everybody knows, or may not know, I'm a big Andre Lipsius stand. I'm using the term the kids use these days. God, I'm actually saying that. But but no, it's one of those things where, as I think Chris said it, I forgot who said it, but he has a classic Cardinal type player. Like, he just seems like he would fit well for the Cardinals. I think I I would like to see him at least get an opportunity here in Detroit, but I could totally could see him being a, a part of a trade package for if the Tigers, let's say, get another, want to get another arm or two in the offseason, and they don't want to spend the money on free agency because obviously the free agent market's going to be dry when it comes to arms. But no, I Lipsius is upside. It's good to see him back on some sort of rhythm too. Comparatively speaking, the way he started the year in spring training and see now that he's fully back to health. And so, no, I, I could see that happening. I don't know about you, Chris, but yeah, there are a number of guys in the system who who have, I think. Um, a future in the big leagues, but might necessarily uh, might not necessarily be on the Tigers that they could theoretically put the trade deal. I, I think Lipsius is one of them. Kreidler, Leonard, Perez, all of them. Like there are a lot of lot of guys there that, that have the utility deal to them that, that might be a second piece in a deal. Yeah, and I think the really uh, one of the things too that before we get to Erie too, and Stan brings up about. Is player fear of losing their spot? The roster, probably the reason why any technical positional players have gone up on the injury list in 2023. I think there's a combination of with with the tiger what the Tigers are doing here. There is a kind of. I think they're going to be when closing with stop it set here too. Do you see a change in how Detroit will allow call ups? Yeah, you're going to see a lot of the positional player talent down on the farm system stay down there a little longer. I think a guy like Diaz, for example, got called up for Baez is going to be just a wave. They're just going to wave Turner or churn. So these guys are going to just put them on the waiver wire and then get rid of them and just can't turning them out. And maybe in some of these cases with some of the positional player side, 
like Cole Keith, like Jeff was mentioning earlier, they're not going to start service time if they don't have to. But also maybe, again, that the, the level is, our buddy Mark Rush has said time and time again, the level between Toledo and Detroit is, is it's like here to Egypt. It's not, it's, it's such a, it's such a big jump. And people think it's just, it's, they're mashing in Toledo. It doesn't necessarily going to mean that. And you're already seeing the organization. They, they were been releasing players. I should mention that earlier. They, you've seen Del Pozo's gone. Weatherspoon's gone. Castro's gone. Knapp's gone. They've continued to just, Guys who are not going to fit, or even was it the Austin or Grenoux gone? They're gonna they're you're gonna see more of this coming up in the next couple of weeks too for sure, absolutely. And uh, yeah, there's as far as uh, speaking of Justin's big, we we'll got the Erie here. The guy's been in Erie less than fifty games. I don't see it, there's no room for him in Toledo right now to get to, but he had a good week, another good week for him. He yeah. <laughs> three home I runs. Think, I think those are. I think that slide is from last week. Oh, unfortunately, I, I don't. I thought I updated it, but I guess I thought I did. Oh, um, you know what? If you did, if you just updated it, then hold on. I'll, I'll pull up the most recent one. That might, that's my. He bad. still had a good week because he's pretty good. Yeah, um, Madden just throws everything. He did. So yeah, that's that's the slide that because Montero is up in Toledo now. That's the slide from last week. Thought I updated this week, but, but no, no, no. Update. It's my fault. It's my fault. Go ahead. Continue. No, it's all good. Big B, we've had some discussion because there's there's there are some indicators that maybe Big B's been getting lucky, and I'm sure there's a little bit of luck anytime you have a Babbitt 370 plus or whatever. But we keep talking about it. it's 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 one thing to hit dribblers and beat them out for singles or hit bloopers, and and Raj had Raj handled a bunch of video this week, and he had Big B hit a 104 mile an hour line drive rocket to right field, and he does that all the time. That's that's what's impressive about him is these are weak grounders up the middle. There are a couple of those, but he's getting hits because he's hitting the ball really hard consistently. And so I think this week I think he had eight nine hits and it was one home run. And he pulled that home run, which was nice to see. And and he's one of those guys. I think he just has natural feel to backspin the ball no matter where he's hitting it. Because we've talked about that where you know it looks it looks like he's just making solid contact and the ball flies over the right field wall. The home run he hit this week, he was on an inside fastball. It wasn't, I think it was 91, 92, right? Like it wasn't terribly hard, but he pulled his hands in and, and pulled it. And it looked like, all right, this is going to just get over the wall. And then it was 30, uh, 30, 40 feet past the wall. So I, I just think he's got legit raw power. It has feel for, for backspinning and, and you feel for hitting. And so the more, has he had a bad week since he came to Erie? I, I don't think so. No. It's just the dude who keeps producing. And, you know, we talked about this a bunch. Would, would you, do you, do you force him up to Toledo? Is, is, does he like, does he need that really? Or does he need to play every day? Because the, you're trying to find room for these guys to play every day. You put them up in Toledo, you got Malloy, you have Meadows, you have uh, Perez playing outfield sometimes. They want Leonard to get some outfield appearances right people want to see that progress because it makes them feel good about a, a prospect but i don't think you necessarily need to see it yeah i don't think so either i don't think there's enough at bats colin what do you think about big me you just should stay in erie to you i i i think so because really what's the point for him to play a few weeks in toledo it's gonna be a small sample size whether it's good or bad so i think best bet just start him in toledo next year if he's ready out of spring training so he did he keep him near. There's no room. There's no room. 
No. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I think we're all in agreement on that. Like, you it wouldn't all be a happy. consistent advance. Yeah. Yeah, we'd all be happy if the Tigers called up Malloy or Meadows and said, okay, Big B, you go from, from Bure to Toledo. Like, he certainly earned it, right? Like, the, with his performance. For sure. But it's, again, I, I think there's there's a tendency to to view promotions as sort of like, this, you have to do this, right? Because he's, he's dominating this level. And he, as much as we like Big B, I don't think he's necessarily the highest priority prospect in the system, right? This is not a guy that they're, they're, they have to get to the big league as quickly as possible. They like him, I think. And it's just a matter of, like you said, getting getting the reps, playing every day, performing, keep doing what you're doing. And we saw it with Carpenter, like they're different profiles, right? Carpenter was was more fly balls, more power. Big B is more line drives, more more average. Um, but if you keep performing, they'll you'll you'll get to the big leagues. It'll happen. They 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 after a while they can't ignore you. Yeah, and so you can't something you can't ignore. By the way, by Lockhart this week after having a, a bat his first. Bad start of the year a couple weeks back. Bounced back pretty well with two strong starts against the curve and continues to. Erie, by the way, Erie was down a couple starters this week. They've had the resort to the bullpen. Something that I, I was talking to Chris about this earlier. Adam Wolf, same time, about same time last year, towards the end of, about actually beginning of July, was virtually unhittable. And he's been doing the same thing again, been giving Erie some clutch innings. As they're trying to figure out the rotation here, with uh, seems like the call ups, it that was something that props to Erie. I think Erie and it's what Stan's question was: Do you seem does it seem to you that Toledo, the Tigers minor leagues, had improved their thickness of promotable talent this year? Yeah, because look at the rotation. Like Erie's rotation's been shorthanded, and they're able to navigate through there. And, and I'm I'm sure they'll probably get some help here soon because they they need it. They're, they're going to have to need it down the stretch and. Kind of, I have to wonder too. Where, like, at some point, because Carlos Pena has not pitched since he's a pitch in a week or now. Actually, I think he pitched August fifth. Yeah, so, he missed yeah, the start. I, yeah, he didn't start against uh, Great Lakes this week. So maybe he gets to the year at some point here soon. And he he is pitching double year. He pitched last year for a couple handful of times in double A's. But uh, as far as offensive t- talent goes, the one thing that did stand out to me was Dingler's walk numbers this week. I did talk about him getting jammed up strikeout wise, but four walks to five strikeouts. Hey, progress. We take those. Yeah, he's a guy who's who's always supplemented his on base with uh, getting hit a lot, which uh, I don't know if he stands on top of the plate or whatever it is. But yeah, if he's going to walk, that's that's all the better, right? That's that's more uh, similarities with Jake Rogers. So nice to see. I, I noticed on that slide there that I had not updated Matt and. I said he gave up six runs. He did not. He, he pitched seven scoreless in it with eight strikeouts. So uh, I don't want people getting the wrong idea there that he had a got bombed. He had a very good outing. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Erie, Erie continues to play well despite losing. They, they've lose, uh, lost a lot of talent over the, the course of the season and, and a lot of veterans too. Navigato was a huge loss for them. We mentioned Lockhart. Like, I have no idea what to make of Lockhart. Right. We, we, we talked to him. Good, good dude. He, he seemed to understand the modern pitching techniques, the data. He was telling us about this, the horizontal break on his pitches. He's actively working on adding a splitter, which uh, hit and miss right now. But when it's not impressive velocity, it's 90, 93 mostly. But I, he commands it. He's got a couple good breaking balls. It's, it's like if you told me that guy becomes the next Tyler Alexander, I would believe you. 
but also like we saw Chance Kirby tear up double A last year. And then this year it wasn't there and he's retired now. I know it's, I, I appreciate what Lyle Lockhart is doing, but I couldn't tell you if he's a prospect or not, honestly, because it's tough sometimes with these lefties, like, like the stuff isn't, isn't off the charts or anything like that, but the performance is. Yeah, there's, yeah, same thing. I don't really know what to make of it, but the fact that the, the Tigers are getting better numbers than the Dodgers did, it is what it is. And, I love to see some more of the advanced numbers too, but from from all accounts, from what we've been told, his numbers are some of the spin stuff and and what have you looks pretty good too. So let's move on to West Michigan because the Whitecaps are in first place. They beat their rivals soundly this week too against Great Lakes, and they've improved the run differential. This is a team that was struggling with run differential all year, and now they're plus eight. And despite you look at some of the st- stats here, Jenkins, by the way, called up from Lakeland. Who's playing playing first base? We had a good week, good first week in with the, with the Whitecaps. Lee, by the way, I was I was saying this earlier, way way back in the beginning of the podcast. So he's going to be in town tomorrow because the Junior World League, Junior World League's World Series is about ten minutes away from my house, and he's going to be coming to talk to Taylor uh, the Taylor North team, and he played in the Junior League World Series here back in 2017. So he's already familiar with. The area and and that was around the time he went to Comerica Park for the first time. So cool to see that. But uh, cool to see was another strong pitch, performance from the starting staff again, including a good start from Dylan Smith. We actually, yeah, he he pitched twice this week, and today I think it was the first week. It was first game. It was two and two thirds. We put that one up. Today was three and two thirds. I think so. He, he's, he's ramping up. It was like seventy six pitches, so it wasn't terribly efficient. But six strikeouts, you see the fastballs is playing pretty well. The, the breaking balls are working. It's nice to see this is, he's just basically getting back to the level he was at last year. This is basically who he was last year. You're hoping that he can get the innings up and then eventually get back to double A because that's the real test for him. But certainly nice to see him back. His velocity's there. He's 92, 95 all game. And he'll, he's thrown four pitches for strikes. Like you said, it's, it's nice to see. And then, like we mentioned, Pena has been the rotation stalwart, just disappeared this week. Garrett Burhan, I think, came back, but didn't pitch a ton. But Melton had his career high. You see there, six innings, four hits, two earned runs, five strikeouts. His, that was his career high in innings. And, and again, it was, we talked with Jeff. It's interesting stuff. It's a great body. It's, it's plus below. I think he's, he's still figuring out how to pitch. Like, I, I think that the breaking balls and or the secondary pitches are, they flash above average. I don't know if they're consistent enough yet. But you can see the makings of, of potential above average pitches across the board there, which would give him number four ceiling, maybe, which is not bad for a fourth round pick. Yeah. So, Colin, I'm going to ask you in terms of what you saw from Melton, you did, you did our scouting report for our top 30. What you're, you're what Jeff said, and you, from your evaluation of what Jeff said, does that add up to you, or what's your thoughts overall on Melton? I, I love his fastball. You see it, you should see him throwing it high, high 90s. He's throwing high 90s. The slider, definitely, there, there's definitely potential there. While his changeup, it, it depends on what his future in the major leagues is. If he's a starter, you have to keep the change. If you can't be a two pitch pitcher, it just doesn't work. But if he goes to be kind of a reliever someday, you might be able to drop it because if his fastball is not on, his changeup definitely is not. His fastball is the host for his change. Uh, you said he's learning how to pitch. A little bit, and I I think he's doing a good job at that. He has a great 
fell through in very violent fell through motion. And what one thing I noticed with him is that this six innings right here is a great sign for him because he had he he really has issues putting batters away with throwing lots of balls and just so he sometimes struggles in his bats. And hopefully the six innings gives him a boost. Um because we've seen the amount of innings he's thrown is concern because is he going to be if he can't miss bats in single A, is he going to be able to miss him in Erie, Toledo, Detroit, right? So that would lower him down to someday maybe a reliever spot. But there, there's definitely something there. I, I truly believe there is a major league pitcher of some capacity in there, whether he's a four or five guy or hell, maybe even ends up in a setup role someday. Yeah, there. Are, people don't want to hear this, but there, there, there are times when I watch him and I go, "This kind of reminds me of Ryan Perry, which is uh, pitching before you were born." I don't know if it was before you were born, but he was 2008 draft pick. So I, I probably uh, heard my dad scream at him. Yeah, yeah. Did he give he up was, the grand slam to Nelson Cruz? No. Uh, yes, he did. Yes, yes. In 2011 ALCS. Yeah, he uh, he threw really hard, and that was it. And that was enough for the Tigers to draft him in the first round in 2008. But uh, no, but with Melton, I I think. And, and that, that team rushed Perry to the majors because he was a college reliever and, and they moved him in. And Melton's a college starter and they're teaching him how to pitch. And we know we, we feel pretty good about the Tigers pitching development overall, I think. Uh, certainly oh, I love it. guys have, have developed in the major leagues in ways that I did not see coming. It has that arm strength. And like you said, it, it's, it's, it's plus velocity. I'm not sure if it's, if he's going to miss bats with his fastball at higher levels, which is always an issue. I think they'll, they'll maximize them as much as they can. And there's enough feel for the secondaries there that, that you can, you can dream on a back into the rotation starter. And there's uh, definitely enough velocity there to, to have a guy in the bullpen in the future. Yeah, and Job just doing Job things. The numbers again, five innings, seven hits, three runs, eight strikeouts. Yeah. But that changeup you threw, you posted on the Twitter was one of the most beautiful yeah. pitches I've seen all season. That was just that was just ridiculous. I'm well, gonna right now. I'm gonna yeah. actually go get it right now. We hate and we talk about this. We don't like to put just one pitch. And, and then yeah. Jeff, you heard Jeff pitching pitching ninja pejoratively, right? Like yeah. and we we love what pitching ninja does. It's a lot of fun stuff. But when you just put post one pitch, it's it's like it's like picking out the time that a guy hit a home run and saying, like, "Oh, look at this monster power hitter!" Like you're not showing the eight times he swung and missed. So we we like to post full starts. But just the fact that there was a changeup and the dude threw his bat, I thought was worth posting. But if you watch that start, I, I think Joe got six, maybe seven swings and misses with his changeup. And he was throwing them right when he was throwing them in, in any count. People, I, I see comments like, oh, all we need to do is get him a, a third pitch. He's got a third pitch. This changeup is really good. With him, it's, it's, it's the command. And he had his command most of the game today. There it goes. There's the changeup. It's, it's mid-80s. It's got fade. A really good pitch for him. Get that kind he of just he just needs to pitch more. We talked about it a bunch. Like the stuff is is outstanding. He was sitting 96, 98, and the changeups got movement. The sliders he's breaking all over the place. He throws the cutter. He threw a handful of cutters. 93. He gave up a home run again on a ninety four mile an hour fastball, and, and that's just the stuff that he's going to have to deal with. He's going to have to figure out how to how to locate that fastball and, and not give up home run. But again, that comes with pitching experience. So on Twitter, by the way, you can slow down the video, and that's what we're going to do right here. We're just because you just get a full admiration for the, the admiration for this pitch. Because yeah, you're right, Chris. We want I want to paint a whole picture. We want people to see the whole thing, 
not just right. yeah and, and a little too slow but look at this look at this just what the, just the the, the yeah. bait action on that pitch was just and you need just things, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he threw a change up the pitch before that and he struck that dude out later with a change up yeah it's like i said it's he's there's a lot to like there we just need to keep him healthy and get him more innings and get him some more experience yeah, the uh the, the full life band thing, like that that's perfect. Uh like you can just keep posting the one pitch, one pitch, but obviously in baseball you need three strikes and it's a process to get there. It you need to set up pitches, you need to locate them. Pitching ninja it's a it's a new thing, the sweeper, how you'll just post that one sweeper, but there there's gotta be context with that. For all these guys to be frozen with sweepers, there's gotta be a fastball set up. And if not, if that's just a sweeper, that's a home run. It, it, it's it's going to be a home run every single time because they're all down the middle. But set up with the fastball, if, if he can set up his pitches nicely, then he, he's going to be one hell of a pitcher. And throwing 96 to 98 with 3,100 RPM on, on your slider, that, that's just a problem. You don't see that a lot. So he, he has a lot of potential. You know what? I'm, yeah. I, should, I should mention, too, Colin does pitch. He just finished pitching, so Colin will be... It's really good to get to get some insight from what's up? You're lucky already. If I was a lefty, I'd be getting scholarships. Oh, <laughs> what? So you sit in like uh, upper 80s, low 90s? What do you have? No, probably middle, mid 70s, high 70s. Yeah. So nothing gotcha. too special. Are you, so are you are you pitching in college at all? Or are you playing? I'm going to my, I'll be pitching my senior year of high school. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. So you're a high schooler. All right. So I got to watch my language. No, that's awesome though. It's it's cool that it's always fun to have people who actually go out there and and, and do it right. But yeah. you, I pitched in eighth grade before I knew any. As soon as I started calling box, I'm like, I'm done with this. I don't. Yeah. I just want to throw the ball. So it's nice to get the perspective of people who actually go out there and try to right. throw it and understand it, the process of it. Yeah, I was a bad pitcher for a long time. I had, I had the yips real bad, so I had to try everything. Every so when Barry Box is a head kidding coach for the Marlins, he ain't yeah. good. He's not good because he was so good. He didn't have to change anything right that's why chris fetter is such a good pitching coach because he was he's a terrible right. pitcher right i had to try everything which sidearm yep. I, I i know everything in the book the screen with troy melton he definitely does the towel trick oh that you got you got throwing the or or the that was it the water bottle yeah yeah, yeah. the um yeah no it's interesting who was it was it mike morgan there was a picture that Tigers had in the mid '90s that went sidearm. Oh, Mike Myers, Mike Myers, Mike Myers. There you go. Yeah, there he had a go. funky, funky delivery. Yeah, Mike Myers. And that was, I think, Al Al Kaline. I think told him to do that. Yeah, and I think it worked for him for a little bit. But yeah, he actually he carved up a better career too afterwards. With I think with the Rockies too, I believe. If I remember, but the Rockies. Yeah, Mike Myers. Oh, he was with the Tigers originally, and yeah, he was then. Then Colorado. I, yeah. Anyway. Oh, we'll use baseball reference here in a second. But uh, Max Anderson, let's go to Flying Tigers. The Flying Tigers, by the way, are 28 and 14. They are first place. They, and we watch, I, I, I look at the box scores of those games, and they look like the biggest pain in the ass. They'll go down 8 yeah. nothing, and they will chip away and, and beat you 9-8. And, and again, like there wasn't a ton of talent there earlier this year that they added a bunch more through the draft. And, and, but yeah, it just seems like a really fun team to watch right now. If it's uh, aside from that whole Central Florida thing in August, yeah, that's even with the pitching too. Like Chris Williams has pitched better as the laces to come out since coming back from the IL. Chris Williams has pitched better. Garrett Garrett Hill has been doing some rehab down there. 
Christian Santana come back down to earth a little bit, but but Max Anderson, four doubles. Mike Rothenberg continues to he's gonna hit 20 home runs this year. It is beyond Andrew Graham. We've talked about this before, and we're talking about this with Gabe Alvarez. Andrew Graham is probably the most one of the most underrated coaches out there. He gets it done every single year. Lakeland, like you look at that roster, he turned chicken, you know what, into chicken salad because a lot of those arms are he gets those it's it's a lot of work in progress arms. The batters, same thing. He's getting a lot of the kids, and he's been I gotta gotta give him a lot of credit. I really do, because he's been able to manage it pretty well. Yeah, I think we was he just had a seven hundred game or seven hundred win. I don't know what it was, but yeah, he's been he was the manager when I first really started covering in, in person. He was the manager at West Michigan. And it's interesting. It, it's I, there's a belief, I think, within the organization that they he could handle higher assignments, but he really seems to want to develop these kids at the lowest levels of a full season ball. And that's a testament to him because that's not an easy life at all. Like you said, this is pitching in low A ball is not good. Uh, but yeah, he's year after year, he gets these teams to compete. And uh, that's hard to do. So yeah, props to him for sure. Yeah, and, and in terms of even Matt Walker, who got the game started yesterday, nice outing by him, five innings, two hits, eight strikeouts. And the other thing to take away from this week as they, they're going to be on TV this week. So they're going to add Bradenton. So we'll actually get push for we'll, that Max Clark promotion. Yeah. Guys. And, and McGonagall and McGonagall. Rucker. Just promote all the kids. Promote yeah. it and then send them back down after this week. But yeah. so we can get some video. Please just, yeah, do that. Please just, that'd be great. We did find a source for some of our, of some FCL Tiger stuff, but of course we're not going to give away our sources on that. Oh, we didn't get to any of the complex league, did we? Oh, they don't, but you know what? The big, the big thing, by the way, is the Tigers Dominican Republic team, the the DSL two team threw a combined no hitter on Saturday. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. It was uh, something that I saw on Twitter and, Put together, and a lot of those guys are. We'll never know if we'll see them stateside or not, but congratulations to them. But complex league wise, McGonnell had a good week, and I want to say Max Clark, Max Clark also just continues to be an extra base machine. Yeah, I think the last game he played in was the first one where he didn't, didn't record a hit or an extra base hit, but he walked twice, I think. He and McGonagall. McGonagall is his. I think Jeff talked about it. He's, he's, he's a smaller dude, and he also crouches down, and he has a terrific eye. I, he looks like a potential ideal top-of-the-order guy, either hitting first or second, just getting on base all the time. And I love his swing, too. We, we posted a clip of his swing. It's a really pretty swing. I think he's got bad speed, bat to ball. But, yeah, he and Clark, it, 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 you know, obviously, it's rookie ball. We, we don't know. But it looks like those guys are, are going to be staples in, in the top 10, top 5 for the system for the next couple of years. Also, we saw the debut of Jaden Ham and Andrew Sears, who were drafted yeah. in the 2023 draft. Luke Stoffel, too, as well. Undrafted free agent, I believe. Undra- yeah, und- undrafted free agent. Andrew Dunford, who also made Dunford, an appearance. He, he, was, he was the 12th round pick, right? I yeah, 12th, he, he yeah, 12th round pick. 400, 400 grand or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, there was he made his debut. I was, I'm still waiting to see. We also saw, oh, Evans made his debut. Yeah, a couple uh, couple of rough outings for Donya Evans. It you never know. Deadly Ninja Bees just said someone needs to sneak in the camera to get some video. That's something I like. No, like 
you really wish there was some footage out there because you look at the box scores and you want to see and sound stupid but what stats are real because like you if you saw a video of mcgonagall mcgonagall's his first hit his first hit it was a little chopper any other league is not going to be right but then i think it was a second swing great swing turns out to be an out so a lot of a lot of that stuff's misleading and it's good to know that he's a good eye because uh, when Jeff was in here, he was saying there's not a lot of strike throwers down there. So you got. I, I love I love on base percentage, but it's hard to know what part of it is real down yeah. down there because you're going to walk a lot. In rookie ball, almost none of it is real. Like a big strikeout rate is a huge red flag in, in rookie ball. Like yep. a big walk rate, tell you much. But uh, I will I will say this: deadly ninja beef. Someone has snuck a camera down there. And we will have some interesting video for everybody next week. Yes. We will have video of, of complex league stuff for you guys. Next week. Yeah, there is. Yeah, we have, uh, we have, we have connections sources <laughs> stuff. Diaz, by the way, has not made an appearance yet. Yeah. Um, I, haven't, I haven't heard it. He's, he's, we've seen, like you said, we've seen Dunford. We've seen Pivaroff, the guy from Arizona state. I think just about everybody they drafted and played so far. And by the way, the, oh, I was going to say Caesar Calderon has been released. He was in yeah. complex leagues. Yeah, he was a guy that they, they, I don't know if he made it up to West Michigan last year or not. One of the org guys that, unfortunately, at this time of year, when when the rosters get expanded to 60 people in the complex league, some guys get let go. And we saw Clark, or I'm sorry, we saw Clayton Campbell play catcher, and I think we know now the reason why is because Brady Cervonic has a meniscus tear. and Which is, yeah. Remember, that was the same thing that happened to Dylan Dingler. Yeah. And, and he came back within, I think, about five weeks, I want to say, yeah. when he had that happen. And it doesn't seem to have hurt, harmed him as much. But uh, unfortunately, there's not five weeks left in the complex league season. So we might not see Konek again until next year. Yeah. Maybe instructs. Instructs. Yeah, maybe instructs. That's probably about, about it. And they kick off they'll, they'll, tomorrow. They play against the Yankees complex league. They start that noon. Everybody's all is off tomorrow per normal. But. If you're looking for complex league action, we'll be posting some stuff. If we find any, if we find any video, because there's going to be somebody. Usually, we have a guy out there. John does the stuff for the Yankees, but the, yeah. apparently he's been getting getting hard. People give him a hard time, so we'll see. I, I didn't realize that. that's a bummer. Yeah, the Yankee. But here's the thing: there's like 500 Yankee prospect sites. It feels like that in the yeah. Mets. It's uh, that's about it. I think I think we covered we covered a lot this evening, did we? Yeah, uh, Jeff for a good 45 minutes, 50 minutes, and, and then really. That's our shortest conversation with Jeff, by the way. Yeah. Speed through. We were trying to speed through the, the, the recap, but yeah, I don't know. Another solid week. We got every, every team had a won the week, right? All the, the full season affiliates won their week. Yeah. So they're playing, playing pretty good ball down there in the farm right now. Again, that's not the primary concern, but we do like the idea of guys playing meaningful games. It's nice to see that I think I, Toledo is still way on the outside looking in for their playoff chances. But the other three teams, we know Erie's in the playoffs. Lakeland is off to a great start. Pretty good chance to make the playoffs. And, and West Michigan is holding their own. Well, West could Michigan. Of, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I said you could have a bunch of playoffs this year, which is fun. Yeah, I was going to say, if you look at the, so if you look at the standings right now for West Michigan, they heading in, they needed, it was nice to win against Great Lakes. Great Lakes falls to three and a half back. 
So the only team that's chasing West Michigan right now in the East is Dayton, and they're in a half a game back as they kick off a series at Fort Wayne with the Whitecaps hosting South Bend this week. So yeah, the pickup series win this week was huge. And South Bend, by the way, is or they're in the Cedar Rapids is running away with the division. They're ten games over five hundred in first place, followed by Peoria over in second place over there in that division. So yeah, that. And you're wondering about Lakeland. So Lakeland right now, too, if you're case you're curious how many games are up. I'm so astounded by this. I'm just looking at the stains like, wow. Thank you, by the way. Thank you for uh, the compliment on having Jeff on. Jeff is he's a five-time member. If we had, like, a jacket, we would have the five-time. He just donned his first five-time member of the jacket club we have. Lakeland, by the way, is a, a game up on Clearwater. So, they're, yeah, so Clearwater is the team they're. And, but then Bradenton's two games, so Bradenton has a chance to try to make up some ground. Tigers, the Flying Tigers, by the way, have the best run differential in the Florida State League, two seventy or a plus a differential of plus forty five. That's how good their offense has been. So, yeah, yeah. meaningful baseballs and for having these guys play meaningful baseball is crucial because winning is a drug. It it really is. Yeah, and. You don't want to be winning all the way into the minor leagues. Once you go to the MLB and you start losing, that's that's no fun. That's no fun at all. No, you're right, Colin. And it's something we talked about last year when the Tiger, all four affiliates were over 500 last year. And Ryan Garcos talked about how he said this before in the press how the, the, having that kind of winning mentality and it spreads right. and, and it does go a long way. Absolutely. You don't want to be losing all the way into minors and thinking this is the standard. It, it It's not. And that's an issue we've had in the past. Definitely. Yeah. And, and obviously winning is not the main goal, right? Like you, you're not going to right. stock, stock your low 18 with a bunch of 26 year olds just to win. <laughs> yeah. You want, you want your guys to develop into winners and right. they've done a, a pretty good job of that the last two years. So I didn't see and. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this last, I don't know, four or five weeks of the season. Me too. And we're going to be heading down to Erie probably maybe by the end of the month or beginning for the playoffs for, for, for sure. But thanks so much for everybody tuning in tonight. We appreciate it. Shout out to Thunderball out there. It's just a trying to, never mind, it's a, it's a long story. I'll, I'll tell you guys the inside <laughs> joke later. But uh, nevertheless, so Erie will be on the road again in Akron this week, by the way, I should mention that because we forgot to mention that they're going to be Toledo's going to be home. So we're going to be out in Toledo Friday or Saturday. Look out for that for us to be on there. And then West Michigan comes home. And so maybe we'll hit up a West Michigan game, but yeah, we'll be out and about all this week. We appreciate it. Oh, go please. Something. If you wanted to help out the website, go to our PayPal donation thing. It's on our website, tigers, or go to our PayPal tigers, bit.ly, Tigers ML Report 2023. So if you want to donate and please buy merch too. We've got yeah. merch. We got somebody, somebody posted on Twitter cool. a sticker. And a, I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna go find it real quick because I was well, and one but, other thing, and, and and I assume everybody's already seen this, but just in case, Jan Hasty, friend of the show. Oh yes, uh, please. Great, yeah, please, great please, broadcaster. Please. He's been on on here many times, helped us out a ton. His mother was in, involved in a really bad car accident, and there's a GoFundMe out there for for her. I haven't checked the status of it in the last day or so, but they were about 60%, I think, toward their goal. And if, you, if you've got the ability, it would be really nice to, to donate to that because uh, yeah, it's a tough situation. She was just minding her business and got hit by semi. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't sound like life-threatening, but there's going to be a long, long rehab process there. So, 
if, uh, if you guys minor league baseball, if you like us, uh, do us a favor and, and, and try to help out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put the link in the show description for, if you're listening to us on the podcast, Dan Hasey, since D- Dan Hasey has been a fan of real quick story, but even before we started the website, when Chris and I were doing Tigers SRD way back in 2017, Dan has been one of the longtime supporters of the site. Like he, he literally DM me on Twitter is I'm really big fan of the show. Thanks. And I'm like, who are you? I like, I didn't, I know he was, he was Dan Hasty, but it just, yeah. are you putting him, are you, are you punking me or something or whatever the case was? I was taken aback by that, but he has been like Greg, just a really sound, like just spreading the word about us and everything. So if anything you can do to help out Dan, we definitely appreciate it, but yeah, check this out. So somebody posted this sticker on you. Like people that are watching right now. Our sticker, and hopefully the zoom. I'm not doing any justice with the zoom. Boom, go see the zoom sucks. <laughs> Come on, what what is this anyway? But yeah, you can see our sticker right there, and yeah, it was cool because it was like, wasn't one of us. Like I have a sticker on my. I don't have, actually. I don't have a sticker on my car. Anymore, I my my buddy John was like, "You have stickers. Why don't? You, why haven't you given me a thousand stickers?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't, even, yeah. I don't have any stickers." Yeah, I yeah I have uh, stickers. Yeah. You got any Connecticut Tiger stickers? Oh, I wish. Actually, that would actually it's not that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Somebody asked about a friend of the site, Christy, who works to merch at Erie, was talking about the Norwich Sea Unicorns, and I have a hat, and she's insanely jealous. But it is what it is. But yes, yeah, so please support the Sea Wolves, the pepperoni balls, whatever, pepperoni whatever, balls, like yeah, torque merch, the Keith merch, whatever they have in there. Buy it. We didn't talk about this, and, and I, I was going to give Gargania some, some guff. Not some guff, but I was going to joke around with him because it was all Altoona Pizza Week. Oh, yeah. And it looks horrifying. Yeah, there are <laughs> places that make, make pizza. Like, I've never had St. Louis pizza, but it doesn't sound good to me at all. It sounds like, like cream cheese on crackers. But this Altoona pizza was like, yeah, let's just throw, like, a, a, a plasticky slice of American cheese on top of some sort of microwave pizza and that's going to be our pizza and it's like, that's horrifying but that's their identity yeah whatever but sam ate it so good for him but well he wasn't a fan of it though no he wasn't and and yeah, good on greg for not even trying it because i wouldn't yeah hey, spe- speaking of pizza when you guys go to toledo you got to hit up home slice home slice where's all right where's is that near it's, the stadium or is it it's probably like 37 walk from the stadium honestly Sweet. all right yeah, yeah. right right at dirty bird best pizza in toledo I have to try that place. Yeah, I've, somebody mentioned it to uh, a couple of days ago. They yeah. have half off pizza on like, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, well, yeah. You know what? We'll do a we'll do a we'll we'll do a video of us eating this pizza and being fat gluttonous folk that we are. Well, I'm not. Anyway, enough of All that. Right. Enough of that. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, oh, there will be an article I'm dropping on Justice Big B Kerry Carpenter comp. I'll be dropping either tomorrow or Tuesday. Until then, have a good night, everybody. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Colin. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.